Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota here to tell you that Jake Browning was absolutely right. <laughs> hey, this is a reef with the wide left substack. I would just suggest that you dot your I's and cross your T's on your NDAs. <laughs> uh, I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. The max bets will continue until the see when you're down, just keep gambling. Locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. Welcome in one and all to the Minnesota football party on locked on sports, Minnesota. Glad you joined us today for Vikings talk as we react to Vikings Bengals. 48 hours ago. I'm Sam Ekstrom. You met Arif Hassan. You met Luke Braun. Luke Inman joins the show in progress as well. We'll have the full panel here to discuss the Cincy catastrophe 27-24 overtime loss that uh, gives a significant hit to the Vikings playoff percentages, although they're still in position. We'll talk about the roller coaster that was Nick Mullins and what a certain cap analyst thinks the Vikings would have to pay Kirk Cousins in free agency next year. We'll look at the full playoff picture now that Sunday of week 15 is complete. Uh, but first, today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. This was my experience with the game. I was on vacation. The league flexed the game to Saturday, so I missed it. Um, I watched it back, condensed version, on the plane yesterday. Condensed version is not for the faint of heart because <laughs> it's fast. You have to absorb all of that stupidness that happened in the second half in a very short amount of time. I'm not sure how many YOLO balls I had to watch Jake Browning complete in a 10-minute yeah. span, how many things had to go wrong for the Vikings offensively, how many red zone picks had to be thrown, um, how many tush pushes had to fail. But it all happened very fast, and it was very jarring did, for me. Did they at least replay the T. Higgins touchdown? Like I just feel like you see that happen, and if it goes away like in a condensed version, it just feels like, a little bit of the magic is lost. Um, sir, definitely, yeah. A lot of the the magic is lost when you watch it fast like that. They did replay that touchdown. It was a magnificent touchdown. The Vikings are zero percent in breaking up 50-50 balls this year. I think that's an actual. They've stat. never done it. Not one. They've, they've, yeah, they've, yeah, not a single. Everyone one, yeah. is culpable. Everybody screws it up. Um, most recently, a Caleb Evans. But it is funny what they pick and choose to replay and. And as Luke Inman joins us now as well, I they didn't replay the T Higgins Yolo ball at the end of the first half, which oh. it looked it's like oh the Bengals are in field goal range, and then suddenly they weren't. So I'm guessing that I got what that's about. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Did oh. it hit the ground? I still don't know. Uh yeah. Wait, why did that get overturned? Why did that not count? Yeah, I I don't know. 
I believe yes, it like barely hit the ground. You you, it you did. had to see it did it hit the ground. Right angle. Right, right. He like kind of he it like took like the third angle to hip. get there. Yeah, it took yeah, like, he, like the third trapped angle it against his there. hip, and the ground kind of helped him catch it, which means incomplete. Uh, okay, so here here are my thoughts. Um, thought number one. I I saw a lot of vitriol about Kevin O'Connell after the game, inability to play with the lead, so on and so forth. I guess I didn't. I didn't see as much of a problem with O'Connell in this game. I mean, the the offense went down the field and scored with three minutes to go. The offense got like very close to field goal range in overtime and then couldn't get four inches. Um, What were the gripes in real time that you felt with the head coach in this game? Let's hear from Inman since we haven't talked to him yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to the head coach specifically, well, let me back up. I think there's two sides of the coin here as far as just, okay, what are you frustrated with? On one hand, obviously, it's frustrating just to sit there and watch them lose the exact same way they've lost all these close games all season long. That's because you lose the turnover battle, uh, not executing in crunch time. Whether you want to put that on KOC or the players, I think there's an argument for both. We'll get into that. And and really, just playing good enough to win these games for three quarters and not putting the game away when you have the chance. I think Luke pointed it out. They've outgained their opponents in over half these losses now. So when you sit back and think about that, that's just a gump punch. And, and we talked about it. I think right at the end of the postcast Saturday, it's so frustrating because deep down, you know you're watching a really talented football team just wither away at the end of these games. And a lot of times that hurts more than just sitting down and watching your team lose because you know they just don't have the talent. So I think that's kind of one part of the equation for me. The other half that was mm-hmm. frustrating, just watch them melt this this lead again uh, on defense because they didn't make enough mm-hmm. plays, plain and simple. Now, they shouldn't need to be the 0-1 Ravens every week, but Saturday they just absolutely deflated. So many missed tackles was the big thing. Uh, again, mm-hmm. Luke pointed it out um, that they didn't really have a good game plan in place for Browning when he escaped a lot of those pressures. He was able to make a lot of big plays outside of structure. That hurt a lot. The third and 21 to Chase, and Browning said this after the game too, they missed that deep shot to Charlie Jones earlier. That should have went for a touchdown. and. He said he thinks that really pushed the secondary back. After that, he noticed a lot of the third and long situations. Um, the safeties were playing so far deep. And that's why that in-breaking route was open, because the safeties were were so far in center field. And it made me think about the Bears game, too, actually, at the end with DJ Moore on that deep in-cutting route as well. So uh, Tyler Boyd, mm-hmm. you're talking about real-time plays here. I'm trying to think top of my head. Tyler Boyd, third and nine in overtime. Byron Murphy said after the game, he had his hand on that ball. It just got ripped away from him. Yeah, Uh, The YOLO balls, you mentioned them. They're called 50-50 balls because by definition, they're supposed to be 50-50, not 98 to (laughs) 2. And, and hey, let's give some credit. Like T. Higgins, man, one of the best high point catchers in the league. Dude's been doing that since Clemson. That TD grab was bananas. Uh, and that's a sports center top 10 kind of play. They made more plays than we did. But to watch that defense, the last five drives give up 250 yards, 24 points. That's tough to swallow, man. They had three points going into the fourth quarter. I know they were driving, but still to end with 27 points, that's tough to watch. Well, my my unhinged airport prediction was one quarter away from coming true. I said they would not allow a touchdown for a third straight game, and they got three quarters of the way there, yeah. and then the wheels fell off and everything progressed. But, but the broadcast showed the graphic, and it is yeah, 
it the is broadcast my fault. Show the graphic. Yeah. The broadcast was like, yeah, it's been like 166 minutes since they've allowed a touchdown. And then like, anyways, here's first and goal from the nine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. come on, man. Touchdown, touchdown, <laughs> touchdown. But the, so now to me, from what Inman just said, it sounds like the, the defense is, t- you know, rightfully taking some arrows here. Did you think, Braun, that the head coach had culpability in this one? So, yeah, there's a bunch of things from the coaching in general that I'm not happy with. And, and yeah, even though it's like, yeah, the defense's floor is this thing. As the head coach, you still will bear some responsibility. Um, but the two things with O'Connell that I think got the most discussion, a lot of people, there was a lot of discussion right after the game about this, the back-to-back sneaks at the end of the game. And really back-to-back-to-back, because they called the sneak, they got it. Um, the Bengals had called a timeout, so it didn't count. Oh, didn't and see then, that on the condensed version either. Yeah, so so it didn't count. I thought they called the timeout before the snap on that sneak. Like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Didn't so actually... didn't. So they had gotten the timeout off. So the play didn't count, but it showed the look to the Bengals that the Vikings were oh, going to use. And yeah, then the they Bengals were the... completely unready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then th- they came out in the same look, and the Bengals adjusted the way that they were going to play against that, and they didn't have goal line personnel out there but they had a goal line front so o'connell decided no i'm not going to take a timeout and get a different personnel or call something else we're going to run it back because i think we can get it because we got it that first time it's just that there was a timeout and it didn't work again um which i i think is just a there's a lot of ways you can look at that and they're all a huge blunder like it's kind of learning the wrong lesson from getting the sneak while the whistle is blowing it's just a really bad decision to not change your personnel it it's bizarre to have uh to to run the tush push twice with nick mullins and and brandon powell there are other sneak looks the vikings have access to that would have like tj hawkinson someone smaller or uh, stronger under center so that got a lot and then also kind of what what luke talked about just it happens all the time like how many times are we going to see this team get a two-score lead and then piss down its leg to me at a certain point that becomes your team isn't ready to to win. You're just not. You're just not. This yeah. is not a, a team with a winning culture. If that's going to be the case, that that's that's a team that doesn't know how to have it in their hands and finish the job, right? And it's a different thing all the time. Sometimes it's that they they turtled or whatever. Sometimes it's that they threw a, a dumb interception. But I mean, how many times have we seen? All right, we just need like one stop or one more score to win this game, and then they go three and out, give up a touchdown, three and out, give up a touchdown, and suddenly it's a game in the fourth quarter. How many times are we going to see the team just choke it away like that? They're choking. 2021 vibes. 2021 vibes. Like again, like and with a much better defense, different circumstances. But this is these are the conversations we were having two years ago. Um, different coach now, different quarterback. But Arif, what were some of your uh, any any new frustrations for you that haven't been touched on? Uh, not really. In fact, I thought most of the things people were expressing, at least that I was seeing on social media, didn't really hold up. I didn't I don't want to defend Kevin O'Connell after a loss like that. But I also think that most of the criticisms that I saw didn't make a ton of sense. There were people that were talking about how he turtled in in the second half, which doesn't make sense. They scored 17 points. Yeah, he definitely didn't turtle um, this time. They just choked. Yeah, uh, they uh, they weren't overly dependent on the run or anything like that. Like in the second half, it was 17, 11 in favor of passing eight to five in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter in mm-hmm. favor of passing um, in the third quarter. I mean, they scored on the two drives that they had. Right. And uh, in the five drives that they had, they scored three times. Right. I, that's pretty good. Scoring 17 points and a half is good. You score 34 points a game. You're happy. Right. So that's, that's not like the issue, especially because the drive scoring rate was pretty good. 
The issue is in management level stuff, right? So yeah, like that quarterback sneak, for example, a lot of people were mad that he called two quarterback sneaks. That doesn't make sense to me. I think that the process by which the sneaks occurred, like Luke Braun outlined, didn't make a ton of sense. And his explanation after the game didn't make a ton of sense because he wanted to say, so between the third and the fourth um, sneak, right? Uh, they just called the same play, like the exact same, like Brandon Powell mm -hmm. motions in everything, right? And, uh, you know, after the game, the reporter's like, hey, so Brandon Powell, not your traditional pusher in a tush push, not he's 181 pounds. Like there's there's one skilled position player lighter than him on the roster. Like you chose maybe the worst guy. Why is that? And he's like, um, you know, we were just in that personnel. And so, you know, that person in that personnel is the one who who does that. We didn't want to get out of that personnel. Uh, because we didn't want them a chance to substitute the goal line package. That doesn't make any sense. Like Luke kind of alluded to this. That mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. They were in three wide receiver. The Bengals were in base, right? Just in terms of personnel, right? right? So you're already bodies behind, right? You don't have the weight advantage. And then you're already at an additional disadvantage because like who's in base personnel for the Bengals? They have bigger linebackers than normal and the Vikings have smaller receivers than normal. So that's who's matching up. So it also doesn't make sense. And then, as Luke says, the way that that front is organized, right? It, it was basically a 5-2, right? Because they had Akeem Davis-Gaither on the edge, essentially. And so that doesn't make sense. So you're actually in a disadvantageous personnel, and you say you don't want to change out personnel so that you can get back to equal? That's crazy to me. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah and, and to Arif's point, like too, I mean, they kept blitzing with the lead. They kept throwing downfield with the lead. They ran the ball effectively on early down, first and second downs. The quarterback sneak is a high percentage play, right? It's just their execution and the play design yeah, itself. I, like a reset, they've got right? the wrong center for it too. Like Bradbury's not, not carving out. He's no, not carving he's, stuff not out. No. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I also don't like the way the conversation around the QB sneak has evolved. People talk about how it's such a great high percentage play. It is one hundred percent. But there's a reason it's a high percentage play. People call it when it's going to be successful, right? right. right? Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons it becomes successful is. Uh, when quarterbacks uh not maybe not audible into it but that very often used to yeah. happen mm -hmm. when there is a missing player in the a gap right or, or check out of it when there isn't correct exactly right mm -hmm. and so there has to be a missing player so i'm not saying that you shouldn't call a sneak if both players if there are two players in the a gap i'm saying that the percentages that we use the numbers that we use are not applicable right so it is an 82 percent conversion rate and again, these are these tend to be on third and inches, not third and long ones. Not relevant here because in this case, the Vikings were in third and inches, fourth and inches. So that's fine. But um, the percentages don't make a ton of sense. People talk about how the tush push is a high percentage play. Well, it's actually a lower percentage play than a traditional QB sneak for that exact reason. Because when you line up in the tush push, players on the field are aware of what you're doing mm -hmm. and, and, and plug up all the gaps. And so it's actually for a non-Eagles team. It is a 72%. That's better than a traditional third and inches, fourth and inches, but a tradition or sorry, third, third and one, fourth and one, but a traditional third and one and fourth and one does not have the yardage advantage that a quarterback sneak typically does. So I, people are talking about the numbers the wrong way. I, I, I think that you should just kind of evaluate it uh, based off of these contextual factors, like whether or not Bradbury is the kind of center, because he's not uh, a Travis Kelsey and you don't have Landon Dickerson next to him, right? He's not Travis uh, sorry, Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Right, right. right. Uh, Mullins isn't Jalen Hurts. 
Who's yeah. squat 600 pounds? Like you don't have the dudes to do this. And that's like the, the conversation around like the rule change in the tush push. If you decide it's a safety issue, I'm pretty sympathetic to saying like, Hey, no pushing from behind or whatever. And I don't think it'll stop the Eagles at all. <laughs> like they're right. still just yeah, going yeah. to blow you up. Cause they got Jason Kelsey and Landon. And if Dickinson you're going to run the Taylor. same exact play two times around, maybe have a check or a call to get out of that. Just in case you get up to the line, yeah. see that five, two front uh, Luke, I think you mentioned it like jet sweep wide open. Easy to say in hindsight, I get that. But um, I just, just having something, a plan B in your back pocket, if you're going to run the same exact play twice in a row, I think would have behooved them, obviously. I, I sense in this decision-making panic. I, I sense, oh, man, we got it. Mm-hmm. And then not getting it in the in the third down and going, oh, we just, we got this. Come on, just go again. It's 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 very uh, losing on the, at the roulette table and just putting twice as much money back down on red because mm-hmm. I can get it back. Yeah, and the ball just bounced off of a of a black square, so it's <laughs> right. It was right there. It was right and there. there's been four uh, reds I mean, in a row. Like it just it feels like trust like me. the process <laughs> really went out of the like. It's a process lock. went out at that moment. Yeah, and 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 yeah. And, and that's just one ex- mistake. Easiest example to point to because there's a bunch of we know what he said about it. We know that that actually doesn't kind of hold up to scrutiny. But there are like small decisions throughout the game that it felt it kind of you know, was a significant part of it. And also, like, I I still like KJ Osborne. I know a lot of Vikings fans don't, and that's fine. He's been very frustrating. But the, the problems that he had with route spacing last year were occasional. They popped up huge on that fourth down play against the Giants. But th- they didn't seem catastrophic to me. This year, they seem catastrophic. Like, constantly, mm. Osborne is because I refuse to believe, maybe it's the case, but I kind of refuse to believe Justin Jefferson is the one running the route, uh, running the wrong route depth, right? But so often, Osborne is inviting defenders into Jefferson's space, mm. right? And so, like, that's a problem. And, like, that is a coaching issue because either you're putting this player out there, and Brandon Powell did get hurt, but it wasn't until later. There were still plays where Osborne is running these plays right? Where Brandon Powell has just been more successful as a Viking. I've not noticed, maybe I'm wrong. I've not noticed the same route spacing issues with him. It feels like he's running the correct routes at the correct depth. And he's just bringing in, and Osborne is just bringing defenders in so that now it looks like Jefferson is like triple teamed on a play where admittedly he should only be quote unquote, only be double teamed. Right. And it's like, you're not helping man. Mm-hmm. Like you, you like your, yeah, your routes are three yards apart. One defender can cover both of you. That's insane. And so, like, it's just like stuff like that where it's like, you're an offensive coach, man. Like, like, I know that there's a reason Osborne is typically out there. I just said that it's like the lightest receiver core in the league and Osborne can block a little bit. But like, bud. (laughs) Hey, bud. Yeah. Yeah. There are problems that have plagued the Vikings all year over and over and over again from turnovers Mm -hmm. to... Um, you know, playing poorly in fourth quarters, especially with a lead, like there are patterns to this and they have not been able to solve those problems. Route spacing, the, the coaching staff has failed to solve the problems that plague the Vikings. And, and I would, and I would say seven and seven and with a kind of tough road to get the two wins that they need mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs. And I would say that this was also a theme last year was that Kevin O'Connell every game said, we're still trying to put together a 60 minute effort. We're still trying to put together a 60 minute effort. And they would have like two quarters where they did nothing on offense. Middle of the game had one of the worst DVOAs in the first three quarters. And they never, they never figured it out last year. Worst time of possession in the league. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, like the yeah, this was a theme in 2022 as well. So I'm gonna tell you why Jake Browning was right in his mic'd up, and I'm also going to uh we're gonna investigate the Mullins roller coaster that we witnessed on Saturday after a word from LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps bring you today's show. Uh, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. You check out LinkedIn Jobs. They've got the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. This isn't your run-of-the-mill garden-variety job board. They've got a vast network of more than a billion, with a B, professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And that's easy when you have a lot of qualified candidates. So 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when they use LinkedIn jobs. Uh, small businesses, you got to wear a lot of hats. You're juggling a lot. You might not have the time or resources. LinkedIn helps you with their intuitive, quick, easy process. And they help you write job descriptions as well with their new feature that they just launched. Post your job for free, linkedin.com slash NFL. LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Minnesota Football Party. Thank you to our everydayers for being with us here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Arif Hassan has to make a regrettable but early exit, so I want one minute, your best 60 seconds, on what we saw from Nick Mullins on Saturday. Arif Hassan, go. Nick Mullins is a wild boy. I did not expect him <laughs> to play with this much He's a uh, dog. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a judge. Or we anything don't remember. Like yeah. But, but <laughs> no, we in remember. the water, it's another that much. Far, Not, yeah, I, 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 I remember, I remember some of the stuff he was doing with the Raiders. And I was just like, that's the Raiders. You got to do what you can. Right. 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 <laughs> like, I didn't think that was because I remember it's his stuff a... at, at, with the 49ers. That was like pretty normal stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, like, but like so, so, uh, so he led uh, uh, the league this week in a tight window throw rate at a tight window throw rate of like twenty four percent or something crazy like that, which is not nuts. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, Branding was like a twenty one percent. Okay, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Moses is at twenty four percent. Yeah, I had the same thought. Moses is at like twenty four percent. About a quarter of all of his passes were into tight windows, uh, which is nuts. He threw that crazy interception while he was getting sacked which sucked, but he also threw that insane ball to uh, Jordan Addison while he was getting sacked, which ruled bad decision, both of them, right? Mm -hmm. They were both bad decisions, but one of them was awesome. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of okay with it. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of nuts. Is he such a high variance, high volatility quarterback, one pass over 20 yards? Like, okay. <laughs> like, like it, this is all risk, no reward, my dude. Uh, what are you doing? Anyway, he clearly understands the timing of the offense. He understands what his progressions are. He understands where his reads are taking him, and he gets rid of the ball on time, so he should remain the quarterback. But holy crap, this guy is a roller coaster. <laughs> that was a strong minute. Thank you, Arif. We love you. <laughs> All right, peace. <laughs> um, I would agree with a lot of what Arif said. Before we continue with Mullins, I just want to pay off the tease and say that when, when people are getting upset about Jake Browning on Miked Up, saying you shouldn't have bleeping cut me he's right the vikings kept kellen mond and sean mannion instead so that so let's all right we let's gotta, play we that back see, all right, so, I, I, so what happened exactly i, I, I gotta so look they, at your old tweets sam what so, did you say about this in the moment were you like god they really messed up by cutting jake browning and not keeping and and not cutting kellen mond um no this is 100 percent hindsight is 2020 but mm, interesting but 
no, no, but but Browning has the benefit of that hindsight, right? So so we can so okay. I'm being a little devil's advocate here. He's the Slaughter vibes, major Slaughter vibes. But when you Slaughter, look at who is a YouTuber now, <laughs> when you look at what Mannion has become, XFL legend, or you, Ellen Mond has become, right? Like it's hard. It's hard to not understand why that would like. Can we? Obvi- like, Ten seconds. Can we back up? So he balled yeah. out during training camp under the lights that Friday night scrimmage. He and, and he was he named had one the number practice. two. He was named the number two. Then they get to cut days, and they said, and "Well, we got to keep Mon. We got to keep Mon for one more year. We got to roll." They with kept it. And Nate because, Stanley on the practice squad, and because we're rolling with Mon, we want to keep this crafty veteran and Sean Mannion to kind of tutor him yes. a little bit. So it's kind of like a two for one. Like if we keep Mon. We can't keep another young developmental guy. We got to go get the veteran, Sean Manny. I think that's where the mix-up was. You can keep Mon. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. But that doesn't mean you have to go get this third veteran guy, like I think is usually the kind of typical stereotype throughout the league. Keep the best guy. Is that the best guy? Is Sean Mon- Mannion better yes, than Jake right. Browning? I yeah, Mond so. was so bad, I think, that they knew they wouldn't be able to trust him, and they were in the, and, and they got in that position, and they couldn't trust him in Green yeah. Bay that year. Which is why they kept Mannion. Maybe if they thought Mond was a little better, they could have gone developmental. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I could. But it's also like you're choosing between Mannion and Browning. Like, what are the odds that either of them are anything? So you may as well go with the younger, high up. Absolutely, hundred percent. Especially after again, he he at least flashed during some of training camp and the scrimmages. And was it Bradbury came out with the quote afterwards? Or like, I remember when they announced him and named him the number two guy. I remember that moment. You know, he had a, a coming off a couple great practices after that, and then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, he's gone. So well, I, he had I, yeah, that, catastrophic preseason. Okay, uh, fair. that's fair. Catastrophic yep. twenty twenty one preseason. Mm-hmm. The, the only reason he was endeared to us was because it was 2021 where all, the whole quarterback room got COVID and or, or they one of them got COVID and the rest of them could practice or whatever it was. Yeah. And Jake Browning carried the 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 ship. And that's kind of also why they excused Kellen Mond going, yeah, well, he's not ready, but he kind of missed a, a bunch of mm-hmm. camp. And we just drafted. They're not going to cut Kellen Mond a third round pick to keep Jake Browning. Mm-hmm. What happened here is Jake Browning got better and he can feel proud about proud of himself there. But for me, I think it's really funny to be like, screw you, Vikings. Like, <laughs> dude, the guy that did this is working for the 33rd team and is like <laughs> TikToks. Like the other guy, the, the other guy who's responsible for this is working at Jackson State now. Go take up your issue with them. <laughs> the Vikings. And and I, I would also understand it if like Vikings fans themselves were like super nasty to Jake Browning or anything like that. But for the mm-hmm. most part, we were like, wow, thanks for for, for floating the ship. When all the other quarterbacks were out, what a great uh, test of endurance that was because you had to throw like 150 passes or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Good luck elsewhere. Like it seemed as amicable as it gets with an undrafted rookie gets cut. And yeah, it's like I my, my question is, who is supposed to feel bad? Like who's who on the Vikings? Because this was revenge against the Vikings mm-hmm. is supposed to sit there and go, gosh, I really got owned there. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's no people left. It's a totally different <laughs> group of people. Yeah. He did get better. He did get better. Yeah, and that's that, that what said, develop progress. Bulletin board material does not need to be logical. So go for it. Jake Browning. 
so word material. I hope that Sloter. I hope that Sloter does have a Browning moment at some point. So then, literally any team he plays, he can look in the camera and say it with a straight face. You have <laughs> he doesn't me. matter. Who the you shouldn't is. have cut yeah. me, regardless yeah. of opponent. They all apply. Oh, he's at a I trial. He's with coming all back to the to the Breakers. No, the New Orleans Breakers. I mean, yeah, I was on vacation. I didn't have my I didn't have my XFL notifications turned on. Ah, oh, shoot, oh, darn man. it. No, it's the UFL now. They they merged. The UFL. So yeah, the USFL and XFL have merged into a 16-team league called the UFL, and it's going to rock. Is The Rock the commish? I have no idea. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Nick Mullins' roller coaster was interesting. I So I thought he and Browning both threw up the same amount of con- like YOLO balls. Bengals caught like one or two more than the Vikings did. But I could also see Mullins getting on a heater. Like he he passes in rhythm so well, so decisively. And this was this was the thing with him with San Francisco. I talked about this. This is why I was nervous about him because he is super mistake prone. Like yeah. Dobbs, he's super mistake prone. Um, like his first seventeen games worth of starts, he threw over twenty picks. That's in a full season. That's horrible. So this is a problem for him. But he does have like a lot of conviction in the way he operates. And I could see him getting on a heater at some point. He's super competitive, uh, hangs in the pocket, can take a hit. Like, I like a lot of what he brings, Luke Inman. I'll give you a thought on this. And I, I feel like given a couple game stretch, that's a quarterback that I could see getting hot, putting up a couple 300-yard games. Yeah, everything kind of needs to come together in the perfect way, Mm -hmm. but I'm with you. I could see it. Not much shocked me for good or bad outside of what Arif mentioned too. More gunslinger than I remember, right, back in Mm -hmm. the the Raiders days and maybe even the San Francisco days. Yeah, I looked at all the stats, saw the turnovers and the touchdown ratio, things like that. But, uh, Sam, I think you said he's got a little dog in him, man. And, And Arif mentioned no real deep shots over 20 yards. But eight of 10 on throws 10 yards or further, though, too. So of your three options, I think it's obvious. I think he does give KOC what he's been looking for, what he's just been so thirsty for this last month, month and a half since Kirk Cousins went down as far as just a guy who can just run the offense the way I built it, the way it was supposed to be ran. The advantage with him is you know things are at least going to mimic the way things looked with Kirk Cousins, right? In control of the offense, makes the right checks, uh, gets through the reads a little bit quicker. And I said this on the postcast, if nothing else, at least he's giving his weapons a chance to go make plays. Does Jordan Addison make that shoestring 50-yard touchdown grab and run if Josh Dobbs isn't there? Maybe, but probably not. I mean, I think that's a huge part of the plan every week when you've got guys like J.J. Addison, Hawkinson. So much of your offense run through those guys, it's vital. You've got a guy who can get them the ball so they can go make plays. And you don't need to be like a guru, a football guru, and watch a bunch of all 22 to see his ball placement. Yes, I get it. It's not perfect, but light years ahead of Josh Dobbs right now, too. So of the three options, I think he does give you the best chance to win these last three games. And I know a lot of clamoring for Jaron Hall. I just don't think they want to go the Jaron Hall route right now. I think it does have its advantages going into the offseason, being able to assess that position going into the draft and whatnot. But I think, uh, you know, ultimately, I kind of just step back and go, well, I'm not at practice every day. You guys are the experts. You know a lot better than me. So if you think Mullins is clear, and away the guy over Jaron Hall, then, then yeah, I mean, green light, go with it, do it. Do he's going to throw some picks, but he's also going to throw a lot more touchdowns I, than you would have got 
with Josh Dobbs. You mean to tell me that when you have a quarterback that works in the structure of the plays and you don't have to completely <laughs> redesign your offense on the fly in November, things work uh, better? Do you mean that that was the case? <laughs> Would have never seen that coming. Man. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's just done. never was really realistic. Even at midseason when Kirk went down to really change and morph the offense to any of these quarterbacks, it's just really not a realistic option. So, again, I think the guy who knows the offense – much better yeah. than the other two. I, I'm with Obviously, you, like, that's going to give you the best chance. Here's the deal. I, I prefer Jaron Hall, too. I think what he showed in the Atlanta game, for however brief it was, yeah. to me, earned another shot. But in the preseason, when this decision gets made, Mullins won the job. And you don't... Like, there's a reason that that, never, that doesn't ever get overturned in the middle of the year mm -hmm. until somebody, like, actually gets in and gets an opportunity. Um... But yeah, versus Dobbs, it's it was very clear that like once you figured out how to stop Josh Dobbs from doing the improv crap that did so well in the Atlanta game and the New Orleans game, like once teams figured that out, they, they forget good offense. They couldn't move the ball at all. Like they mm -hmm. couldn't score. It was dreadful, right? So yeah, making that move was was pretty cleanly the right thing to do and yeah you go to your second quarterback not the one that you decided was your third quarterback two months ago I get it even though I, I wish he got another chance I'm not going to begrudge it um but yeah I, I think that there is a chance for the offense to be productive if you just play a little bit point guard right mm -hmm. you're not going to have the upside the ceiling that you had when you had Kirk and, and you shouldn't expect that and you're not going to it's going to be more inconsistent than it was with Kirk not that Kirk was the most consistent but he's certainly more consistent than these guys who are not starting quality quarterbacks in the NFL um and a little bit of hero ball can be good right as much as that touchdown to Jordan Addison both the touchdowns to Jordan Addison were fairly ill-advised and went against the words of his coaches you might not have seen this Sam on the condensed but at after halftime um they said you know Kevin O'Connell told Nick, Nick Mullins you got to stop playing hero ball <laughs> it's two total hero ball uh <laughs> touchdowns that are super ill-advised it's who he is yeah. and it's what we're going to deal with but a little bit of high variance is okay especially when the Vikings aren't going to be favored again this year mm-hmm at all. Uh, Green so, Bay. They won't be Green favored Bay at, at home? home for Green Bay. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not like Green I mean, Bay's on any kind of heater, though. No, but I, I get it. Yeah, killed by the Lions favorites, but if you get killed by the Lions, do with what they did uh, mm -hmm, in yeah. the in, in the like most previous week. If Green Bay wins a game and and the Vikings lose a game, I could definitely see them being home underdogs. Yep. No, I, I I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Um, who knew that we'd have high variance from from Mullins? But you know the the things. I don't know why people. I think people just like conflated him with Sean Mannion in their heads because he wasn't as fun as the rookie and he wasn't as fun as Dobbs. He was yeah. always this dude. There was never any ambiguity about this. He's never been like a, a, a like a, a conservative pocket statue like Mannion. He's always been a little bit of a, a little bit of a wild card. It was it yeah. was entertaining and uh, also gut wrenching. I um. I, I so think, Sam, you didn't see any of the game live. Listen to me, man. The first time you watched it back was on the airplane. What was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I didn't watch the highlight segment the day of. I, I just waited. I consumed it all like forty-two minutes um, on the condensed. Mm -hmm. I will blame the the. So I did. I wasn't going to do this, but I got a little caught up watching the play-by-play -play on ESPN during the game on the golf course, playing a sure. nice course out there. Oh, good for me. Nobody cares about this. But I do blame the sneak situation 
on costing me a wonderful opportunity at birdie because my mind was just racing. I'm like, oh, it's third and oh, one. Super on you. Got a sneak. And I, I had 85 <sighs> yards into the 17th hole. I had a great drive and uh, I flubbed it. I flubbed it. Costly error. Um, it's but the worst when you're watching noise. those play by plays and you don't know what's going on and nothing mm-hmm. happens for like, it's, Three and I know. And a half the app and you're like, what update. is going on right now? <laughs> yeah. Is there a timeout on the field? Is there an injury? But usually they show you that stuff, even an injury they tell you. And it's like, what's happening right now? Fourth and inches. Give me something. Yeah. yeah. And then it updates like three plays. It's like, oh, okay. They <laughs> right. missed it. Bang, the bang, Bengals bang. have it. That's, um, that's NBA. That's NBA for sure. Play by play. Oh, NBA bang, is the bang, worst. Bang. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you have money on the game, you're like, what's going on right now? <laughs> but, uh, Everything happening is kind of like, I think, tilting even more toward the Kirk Cousins reunion, right? Because the Dobbs, the Dobbs hype obviously fell off a cliff. And now we've got the projected salary, courtesy, I believe, PFF Brad. I'm attributing this to the right person. He's the cap expert. Uh, Brad Spielberger is projecting two years, $60 million for Kirk Cousins in free agency. Braun, are you paying that? That wouldn't be a bad deal. I'll say that much. Am I sticking with Kirk is a different question. And I, I've been pretty vocal. I, it's time for them to get a rookie and move on here. It's going to be older coming off an Achilles. I don't, I don't know if that's the move, but you, you can look at this season and look at all the almosts and say, God, they're, they're just so close to winning a bunch of games. You know, they're, they're, they're like four and four on the cusp. And then, you know, they were three and three with Kirk. So I guess they went from a 500 team to a 500 team. <laughs> uh <laughs> And I will say to that, you know, 30 million is a really scary number. 30 million is not what it used to be. Daniel Jones is making 40. All right. 30 million for a quarterback is no longer starting like market rate. That is that is well under market rate for what a quarterback costs and is. I mean, that's wide receiver money for a quarterback, right? So like he'll be making less than Justin Jefferson. That feels appropriate if 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 so, if he does, I think that's an appropriate amount. Plus you got to remember that 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 would be the average annual value, not guarantees, not, you know, what's incentivized. My guess is if Kirk Cousins does come back, there's not going to be a lot of commitment to it. They're going to commit to maybe one year. And then I don't know if he gets the fully guaranteed contract that he always wants coming off an injury. And he's already said in front of the media that he kind of understands that things are going to be a little different now. Um, So, yeah, when it when it comes to contract amounts, thirty million average annual value, without looking into what kind of cap tomfoolery can get that number to actually the impact of that number to be less than it seems. Um, the number seems fine, but is that better than going into the draft with you know six possible good quarterbacks coming into this draft? Is that preferable to going out and getting one of these guys? Because I think if you do sign Kirk to a two-year deal, you're not drafting a quarterback now. And you better hope the guy you like is coming out in 2025, I guess, or 2026. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, you got to get a guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the money seems low. I think you're. I think it'd be a great deal for the Vikings, to be honest. Even with Kirk not being able to pass this physical in March and all that, I think by the time you get to free agency and it's starting to get closer to crunch time for all these teams. And after watching all these backup quarterbacks play this year and teams without any stability at the position really struggle this year, I think Kirk is going to be a higher-priced free agent and target for a lot of teams than 
I think some people realize right now. And, and if anything, not only do I think he gets paid more than two years, 30 mil, whatever that, um, you know, number ends up being, but I think Kirk's going to have a lot of options to choose from and a lot of teams calling him. And at the end of the day, it's, I don't know if it's so much on, Hey, would the Vikings do that? I think it's on, does Kirk Cousins want to do that? Does he want to be back in Minnesota or does he want to get paid more elsewhere? And when it comes to Kirk Cousins and money, I mean, Hey, call a spade a spade. I'm not sure he's, he's not going to chase the money when it gets down to crunch time. Not with his track record guy wants every dollar he can. I'll never blame any player for that. Get paid while you can. But at this stage in your career for some quarterbacks and some guys, it becomes more about trying to get the Lombardi finally and right out into the sunset. than it does getting that extra million or two, I guess on your base deal. But yeah, I do that deal in a heartbeat as far as just value goes, because it feels like a great deal. You pointed it out. Daniel Jones is making 40 plus end of the day though. I'm with you, Bron. I'm so ready to draft a, a new young quarterback in the top 50 picks and see what KOC can do with a higher talent that he can kind of mold into the offense the way he sees fit. I'm ready. But with a guy you, that Quasi picked instead of the guy that he inherited. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's it's almost the same logic as with Dobbs. It's like you don't have to live like this. You you had to live like this in 2022. You had the guy who was under contract. You had to live like this in 2023 because that's how you had to get out of the contract. But we are now to a point. You don't need to pick this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go to someone else if you hey, want. Hey, hey, don't forget. It's, there's merit to picking this guy. He is one of your options for sure. For sure. But and, it's and not like, I don't want to hear God. It's, you know, the guy that, you know, they're stuck with or whatever. They're stuck with him anymore. Right. And and don't forget about the Wilfs have a say in this too. And it seems like the Wilfs do not want the tear down, rebuild three and 13, no, three and they want a serious years. quarterback. And that, there's that a lot of ways me. to get a serious quarterback, but they there don't is. want you to run, roll in with your Sam Howell. They're not going to let that happen. And I think good for them. Do you want to live like the commanders are right now? I don't want to watch that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Kirk signs up to be the one year mentor as they draft someone in conjunction with a one year Kirk deal. I think that's why the second year is the kicker. Are you willing to sign up for 2025 as well when he's 38 years old? That's the big one. Um, Let's talk about this playoff picture, where the Vikings stand, what the next three weeks look like after this. You can still take advantage at FanDuel. Final three weeks of the regular season. You can still sign up and get $150 in bonus bets with a winning Five dollar money line bet. All you need to do is find the right money line. If your team wins, you get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, and you can spread that out however you want on the spreads, the player props, the over unders, futures, and so much more. You can even go NBA. Just bet the Timberwolves money line every night, and that's probably going to cash pretty nicely for you. Fanduel.com/slash/locked on to sign up or download the Fanduel Sportsbook app and bet the NFL. Fanduel, an official partner of the National Football League. This playoff picture is pretty convoluted, gentlemen. Vikings, the sixth seed, they are seven and seven. Rams, seven and seven. One game worse in conference record. Vikings have smartly lost to a lot of AFC teams. You know, they're thinking, it's they're playing, strategy, they're yeah. playing like, chess. They Everyone it. else is playing checkers. Mm-hmm. The Saints, they have the tiebreaker over and the conference record. That seems like a, you know, a good team to be uh, vying with. Seahawks, tough game tonight. Could easily drop to six and eight. Um, Rams down the stretch. They've got Saints, Giants, 49ers. 
Saints down the stretch have Rams, so there's a swing game next week. Yeah, you you need but, the Saints to win that game. You yeah. want the Saints. We, to we want a tie there, I think, because then there you go. Then both teams helpful. feel like they took a loss. Yeah, that'll be helpful. Um, Seahawks who continue to implode. They've got Eagles, Titans, Steelers, Cardinals. Don't know what to think about the Seahawks really at all. But I think oh, Ron, I think go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say in the Packers last three games, obviously the Vikes right in the middle there. With the Panthers and Bears wrapped around it. Panthers, Bears suddenly Bears. very tough. I mean, wow. Bears giving everybody a game right That's now. True. And the, the Hail Mary that should have been completed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. crap. Hey, don't, um, don't forget the Bears. I know. I get it. Five years ago, the Bears knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. Week 17 in Minnesota. They had nothing oh, yeah. to play for. Vikings win and you're in. And uh, they couldn't do it. So, yeah, Bears maybe same situation and scenario spite going Bears. into the final week versus the Packers. Like that could be an all-time spite game because if you remember Bears fans and Packers fans mm. and, the, and the Bears and Packers themselves, like the players, talked so much trash going into that week one game and then the Packers just mm. dusted the Bears. Uh, mm-hmm. I could I could see Chicago being a little angry, <laughs> coming out with some spite, and and sometimes that backfires on you. But. Yeah, I think Bron, you were right. I think two out of three gets the job done for Minnesota. They would claim one of those two spots. Obviously, the six is quite a bit more advantageous than the seven. Nobody wants to go to San Fran, Philly, or Dallas, um, which seems like that's how it would shape up. Well, and, and just to that point here, too, real quick, Lions still in play for the number two seed right now. So if the Eagles were to drop to the three seed, all of a sudden, six seed, boy, first round, I draw the Eagles in Philly. Ah, that that That's, that's not L. the ideal scenario either. You want Detroit. You want, you want the team that hasn't won a playoff game in Absolutely. a bazillion years mm-hmm. with the quarterback that you know may or may not give you a, a clunker. But I think two out of three gets it done, um, and I think you got you got to do it the next two weeks. I mean, Christmas Eve, this is suddenly, you know, this is, this is make or break time. This is, um, if you don't win this game, then you're backing into the playoffs. Um, and it's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. And two games uh, at home as well, by the way, but I mean, more than winnable games, division opponent. Are we, um, what's our record versus the division now? Two and one. We lost the bears game. Yeah. Obviously on Monday night. So two and yep. one. Yeah. Two and one. Division still on the plate here with these uh, three division games coming up here. Yeah, yeah. If they have since that kind of two game Josh Jobs Linsanity run, they've lost three of four. They maybe they can. I mean, look, division. You you know your division rivals better than anyone, so those division games tend to equalize a little bit. Sure, anything can happen. Let's say they go two and one. They may. We're carrying Nick Mullins into the playoffs. I'm sorry, I'm not putting any money on this. Like it, it's, it would be fun to make the playoffs after Kirk Cousins went down, but it's all very, still very much like house money. Yeah. What's that it's spread good. on the road it's, round one? Yeah. And I it's mean, good that they all have digits. their, they, they all have their tiebreakers, right? So basically any permutation of the Vikings being nine and eight, you'll have tiebreakers over whoever else is nine and eight. They would need two teams to win out and go nine and seven, um, which would require Seattle to beat the Eagles tonight and then win out, which seems doable. They've got some, t- uh, lesser opponents going there. And I think like Seattle and the Rams would be the two teams that like do it um, to, to knock the Vikings out. But it's like, 
you need like very specific permutations for nine and eight to not be good enough to, to sneak into the seventh seed and then go travel to Philly and go get dusted and say, Hey, way to be resilient and still make the playoffs, even though you lost your quarterback. And then we're, we're going into the next off season that way. How, how about this crazy scenario? Maybe they lose both to the Lions. They beat the Packers. They back their way in somehow, some way they have to play the Lions. They've already lost them two times in a row, but mm. you never lose to a team three times in a row one season, a la 2005 <laughs> yeah. Vikings losing to the Packers twice and then going to Lambeau and knocking them off in that wild card round. How crazy. Well, that was the year that again, Christmas Eve, yes. about Christmas Eve games. That yes. was the year that on Christmas Eve, the Vikings lost the, the heartbreaker at the dome 34, 31 Ryan Longwell mm. with the, the killer. But if they do lose two to Detroit, that would strengthen Detroit's chance at being the two seed, which could lead to the two seven rematch. And I'm, I'm saying it right now. If the Vikings play at Detroit in the first round, I'm picking the Vikings. Like I, I do <laughs> not, I do go. not trust the lot. I'm saying Nick yeah. Mullins wins a playoff game. Yeah. Um, third I game mean, is the a big scenario. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. at Philly or at Sam Fran or even, I don't know, at Dallas even. Yeah. That, that is the dream scenario. You want to play the lions for sure. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And the lions could, could put 42 on the board like they did against the Broncos but I think the Lions have a higher variance. We're talking mm-hmm. about high variance teams. Yeah, and we'll uh, see what these next two Lions games actually look like, too. Mm-hmm. I think the way those unfold a little bit is going to help help us just kind of dictate what that maybe playoff game matchup might look like. But you're absolutely right. Yep, and if Goff is going to be savvier than some of these young quarterbacks against Flores, right, who just look completely overwhelmed. Goff is going to have some answers for that. So is Ben Johnson. So how will the Vikings defense look as well? Uh, we got to go. Minnesota football party uh, Mondays and Thursdays, the audio on the locked on Vikings audio feed video on locked on sports, Minnesota. We thank Arif Hassan who had to leave early Luke and Luke. I'm Sam. Find us on Thursday where Ron Johnson joins the show as well on the Minnesota football party on locked on sports, Minnesota.